Well, I want to welcome to the show and get right into it, Dr. Peter Uni, who is the scientific director to the COVID-19 Science Advisory Table and the professor of medicine and epidemiology at the University of Toronto. Uh, Dr. Uni, I want to thank you for your time today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, the reason I reached out to you is uh, the warning that you're sounding right now is rather dire. I'm going to quote you here. You said right now in Ontario, the pandemic is completely out of control. Uh, that gave me great pause last night when I read that. So um, if you look around, the average person is going about their business under the impression that things are getting better. So if you could, I would love for you to elaborate on why you see this pandemic as being out of control at the moment. Yes. So we need to be aware of that. We have two pandemics now. We have the uh, old variants, the early variants. They're under control still. You know, they stagnate. They're okay. We've got accustomed to them. And with the measures we're having, these ones are just, you know, at a steady pace. And then we have the, the uh, new variants of concern, uh, predominantly those originally identified in the UK. And since they took hold in uh, Ontario, we never had them under control. And that's the challenge we're talking about now. Right now, we have an estimated 1,700 daily cases with the new um, variants of concern uh, predicted for today. And we know that these, these uh, cases, the daily numbers double roughly every 11 days. So these 1,700 will become roughly 3,400 uh, uh, in uh, 11 days from now or so approximately. And that's one of the challenges we have first, that since this is just much more transmissible, the new variants, we just need a different approach towards dealing with them. Okay, so you say they're much more transmissible. How are we contracting them? Do we have uh, uh, definitive uh, information on how it's it's passed? I mean, is it being passed by through fomite, which means touching uh, surfaces or uh, aerosols. What are we dealing with here? And is there a way to protect ourselves? Yes. Uh, so uh, first of all, it's much the same as before. You know, what we know is that probably with, with all likelihood, droplets and then um, um, aerosols or just smaller particles than droplets, it's a spectrum, play the most important role. So it's the same story as before. Keep two meters distant from everybody else who is not part of your household and make sure that you're outside in the fresh air if you see other people. It's as simple as that. And it's basically the same story as before. What we just would need now, and you know, you're talking about the good news, that's the weather. We would need to leverage this good news. It's the mm -hmm. weather that are the good news and the vaccines are coming. That's great. The point is just we are a little bit too early with these new variants just taking over completely. I mean, we're now approaching 70% you know, of cases being uh, the uh, caused by the new variant. And we just won't make it without uh, a bit more pain before we actually are able to uh, really face the good news then. Yesterday, the province um, held a press conference. They were announcing something for uh, an incentive for and, and help for the tourism industry. That aside, they also, uh, the premier was questioned on, you know, these new variants of concern and this third wave. And what I want to ask you, Dr. Uni, is do you think our message is out of step here? Because Doug Ford, I'll play the audio later on, but I'm not going to get to it right now. Doug Ford basically during this press uh, conference had once again said to younger people, hey, the party's not over here. Uh, you have to make sure you adhere to the guidelines and don't bring this home to your parents or your grandparents. Based on what you're seeing in hospitals right now, is the demographic changing and should the message change as well? 
I think we have quite a lot of homework to do in general. I mean, we as a society, uh, it's just here in Ontario now. So um, there, there is the, the part that we indeed see right now, and this is very much in line, you know, with, uh, with uh, early waves as well and with international uh, experience as well. Um, at the beginning, we have younger age groups that tend to get infected more frequently than older age groups. And right now, you know, what we also see is that the increased uh, severity of disease is happening uh, irrespective of age. So if the risk of ICU admission doubles in a 60 or in a 50-year-old, it also doubles in a 30 or 40-year-old. That's the point. And just taken together that right now it's more frequent in younger people, what just happens right now is that we see nearly half of admissions right now in people my age or younger. And this is indeed concerning. ICU admissions I'm talking about here. Mm -hmm. So we need to just deal with uh, the, the the, the, the facts there too and just make sure that we now just find new ways of dealing with it just a few more weeks where we just have a real issue. Okay. See, your headline to me, to be quite honest, freaked me out. The fact that, you know, right now uh, we are out of control and there's no way out of this dire scenario uh, unless we lock down for the next few weeks. I, I mean, I see that as something that is uh, frustrating, nerve wracking, and also frightening. How should we be viewing this? And, and should we be following British Columbia that announced they will be implementing, implementing rather a three week circuit breaker style lockdown? Yeah. Look, I'm, 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 uh, a scientist and I'm uh, I'm not in charge luckily not you know that we have the elected decision makers who need just that uh, to come uh, you know to terms also with the situation we're in but the point right now is um, with this doubling time of the new variants and with the increased severity that we're having um, we just see where this is going this is a safe bet unfortunately that we need to do something sooner or later which is relatively strict because every healthcare system will get overwhelmed if you're in a, in a exponential growth as we are right now. It's just always a matter of time when it happens. So, you know, it's I, I really think if we just understand this now, this is just a bit of short-term pain for long-term gain. It's not long anymore. It just really could be helpful just to really leverage the prospect that we're having, but understanding that we're in a minefield right now and then just move on. We just need to do this a few more weeks not more than that. Okay. So you're saying, do, when you say we need to do this a few more weeks, you're talking about a complete lockdown. I just want to make sure I'm clear on this. Um, I, I'm not sure what I'm talking about because, uh, because I'm not in charge here. And that's also, you know, I know but if you were in charge, I mean, point, you're sounding the alarm. I, I don't mean I to would, be interrupt it, you, but yes, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. So look, what we should, what, 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 fr from, from an epidemiological perspective, for all we know, it's important to, uh, to uh, first just uh, come with the positive news, which is outside is safer than inside. So yeah. if we need to restrict again, we should promote people to go outside and just meet outside at a safe distance of two meters and enjoy themselves outside, but just avoiding indoor space. That's the point. So the nature of this will come across much different than, you know, a, a lockdown with stay at home order that just uh, tells you, OK, you don't leave your home and you don't leave, leave your flat or condo. 
that's a different story already. So if we get the outdoor part just right, then and, and then just focus on avoiding, you know, a shopping spree in a big box store in York or stuff like that, this will make a difference. There's another part which is important too. What we see right now is a really, really more and more challenging situation again with essential workers in non-healthcare settings, you know, warehouses, factories, etc. etc. And we need to support these people. And again, this is about support, not restriction. We still have a challenge that, that many people out there actually need to decide between getting tested and putting food on the table for their kids. And we would need to address that part too. So in a way, if we address this in a smart manner, we could deal with this, that it's actually perhaps not even that painful. And we only talk about if we do it really smart and efficient, perhaps three to four weeks, not so months. Translation, paid sick leaves are important. Yes. They're an important key. Yes. And now we see that from Europe. I'm, I'm from Switzerland originally. And when you when you look into Western European countries, everybody has paid sick leave. And one of the reasons that Switzerland, for instance, despite making big, big, big mistakes with pandemic control, is struggling relatively little is because they have much, much more security, especially in the most vulnerable populations. And that's those people who are actually out there to try to help put food on the shelves in the supermarkets. Dr. Warner is quite vocal. Uh, he's from the Michael Guerin Hospital. He's quite vocal on the handling of the pandemic. I'm sure you're aware of him. He's aware of you. He tweeted out a message yesterday, and I'm interested in whether you agree with his opinion when it comes to the vaccine strategy. So let's just roll that clip, Rob. The average age of patients in my ICU with COVID-19 is 53. Almost all of them are essential workers. None of them would meet criteria to be vaccinated today based on the rollout plan from the government. We need to change things. We should be vaccinating in the factories. We should be reallocating vaccines to the hot zone regions where people are getting sick. Paid sick leave just has to happen. Paid vaccination time, of course. So you're on the same page as paid sick leave, but do you think we need to change our vaccine strategy? Um, I think we need to look at this as layers. So first of all, remember what the science table um, um, was was uh, preparing a few weeks. I'm not even sure when this was ago. Was this a combination of age and neighborhood, high-risk neighborhood as a criterion for vaccination? And we can make this, you know, a bit more flexible also than with age. So if we do that, if we really would were able to go now into these neighborhoods and really vaccinate heavily in the highest-risk neighborhoods, we have already covered quite a lot of exactly the people that he is talking about. That's the first part. The other part is the layer of going into the factories and the warehouses, etc., and vaccinating should be an additional layer in the strategy. The point is now, you know, we just need to be aware of um, that we need to perhaps be really nimble about how we handle that. You know, the, the face of the pandemic is changing. And perhaps the point is just to see, okay, how does this look time-wisely? When can we do that? It's indeed dire right now. I, it's again, and as before, those people who were at the disadvantage before and carried the highest burden carry it again. And right now we really see a challenging pattern. You know, 53, he was talking about the average age of 53. That's my age. Right. And that's concerning, obviously. I mean, I, I think it, it, what is good, but the average age of 53, but that means we've got younger. I think people miss, you know, they of hear course. what they want to hear. And then they miss the fact that, no, we've got 21 year olds that are also in ICU. It, it, when we're talking about the severe cases of uh, COVID-19, I was reading something like there was uh, 17 new cases in ICU where they 
They started hooking uh, people up to ECMO machines. Can you talk about what those heart and lung machines do and when you would use them? When you're really desperate and, you know, the lung basically is not able to oxygenate the blood, uh, even under the conditions of optimal mechanical ventilation, that's when you then start to use extracorporeal uh, oxygenation of the blood. That's what's happening there. That's really desperate situations when you start to, uh, to move into that. And we need to be aware of that. You know, we never got out of burdening ICUs also with ECMO patients, you know, after the second wave. And probably one of the reasons I cannot prove that right now, I don't have the necessary data, but given everything we know one of the reasons is that we just see this changing pattern there too you know with younger people etc etc and it may well be that some of the people who now have been on ECMO for quite a while were actually even people with the variants of concern relatively early in February etc so it is a real challenge and this is again you know even you know we have I remember just a situation a few days ago we, in one of our clinical trials, we included a 35-year-old in without any risk factors, 35-year-old, no risk factors, not even, you know, a gram of fat, nothing. We included him in one of our trials and uh, he was actually struggling not to be admitted to the ICU, 35 wow. years old. Yeah, that is uh, concerning, although I'm getting emails from uh, people right now that are saying we're uh, right now what we're doing is is it's fear mongering. You and I talking about this. Yes, look, uh, I'm not known to do fear mongering. For those of for, for those of, of of you who know me a little bit here, I've been I've always you know remained calm during this uh, pandemic, and uh, I always was on the, I had the opinion that we can do this. My perspective changed when I saw the problem with these new variants of concern. The first time I sounded alarmistic was beginning mid January, and what I said there became true now. Look, this is just not a walk in the park and we just need to go through it. Denial doesn't help. You know, when you think about the stages of grief of Kubler-Ross, that's what's happening at a societal and political level. And a lot of people are in denial right now, but the point is just, we just need to move this forward a few more weeks and then we're through. Things will get lighter, but it's just not right now. Okay. We just need only a few more weeks. Dr. Uni, when you say we have to move things forward a few more weeks, you're saying that we don't have to advocate people stay home. Like if they are staying home, that they still socialize outside. That's one of the points that you're making. And that's very important for all of us. I think we are pack animals. We've learned that. Uh, yes. Even people that thought they were loners now know, no, that's actually not true. I like to be alone some of the time, but this is a bit extreme now. What are, we, what are you uh, saying, if you could make it as crystal clear as possible, should be happening outside our houses? Then when you talk about if we just do this for a few more weeks, what does the this look like? This looks like you can meet other people outside if they don't belong to your household but you stay two meters away from these people two meters exclamation mark not 150 not 120 two meters and if you absolutely for instance you know if you play beach volleyball and you sometimes will go closer than two meters this means you wear a mask while playing beach volleyball you know but what does so it mean for work though like what does it mean in the rest of society beyond our individual households what do we need you to see, do that's the that's the challenge. I see things also slipping away there, of course. You know, people erroneously think that's my colleague, you know, just behind the counter or, you know, in a, on a construction uh, 
uh, area or however you call that. And then they start to let things slip away. But what we know is that most or many of the infections just happen in these workspaces. Again, you know, there will be little things that would be helpful. For instance, you know, really the employers be in need of just really making sure that people stay disciplined with masks and uh, physical distancing inside making sure if it's just about workplaces, not like that, essential workplaces, huh? again, essential, not quasi-essential or essential as a tokenism, that the ventilation is optimal inside. Then there could be little things that would be tremendously helpful. People go outside to eat and they don't face each other when they're eating. They do that outside. When you, you know, you sometimes peek into a place mm. where people are eating, you know, in a supermarket yeah. or so, masks down, one meter is 50 from each other, etc. That's how transmission happens, as in a restaurant. Okay, so you're basically saying, you're advocating for let's all eat like we're on a sitcom. Everybody sits on the same side of the table. Make sure you're uh, two meters apart and nobody facing each other. And outside, please. Yeah, on a bench outside. outside. Forget the tables. If we want, if you want to go to a big box store, you know, uh, you know, the big box store actually would need to move mm -hmm. outside to the parking lot. There's no need right now, just right now in the situation we are, to, to keep big box stores open if they're not, you know, providing essential goods, etc. We just need to be a bit creative now. Of course, we can't move this mm. to a parking lot. Of course not. But the point here really is we need to understand outside is safer than inside. And if we do a few things, it's just a small playbook. The playbook is just be outside and be two meters apart from people who are not part of your household. If you absolutely can't avoid it and need to go a little bit closer rather than two meters, just make it only a few seconds and wear a mask. Okay, That's I want to ask you something very quickly. Pulse for everybody. I want to ask you something very quickly because I've really run out of time and my technical producer is yelling at me in my headset. Okay. Um, <laughs> the question is Easter. Are you concerned about Easter? Yes. Of course I am. How could I not be? You know, we had the disaster between Christmas and New Year. No, didn't we? What you saw, the peaks that we had then after that was just because 50% of people believed they're an exception. They can meet with other people. Imagine if there's 50% who believe they're an exception, they're hardly an exception. If we see the same story again with Easter, we will pay it dearly. All right. Uh, I want to thank you for your time, Dr. Uni. It's been really informative and I know frustrating for people to listen to this, but I think it's important. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Take care and stay safe.